you are a good person. I mean, you know, maybe not as good as some, but definitely not as bad as others, right? So is that being a good person thing, is it working for you? Like, has being good enough really given you the life you actually want? Or does it feel like something's missing? Is there more that you're wanting to experience, more that you want to be? See, maybe life is about more than just being a good person. Maybe there's something better we can be. So let's talk about it together. You are a good person. You are. How do I know? Well, first of all, you're watching a church YouTube channel. But also, I know that you have a code. You have a set of rules that you do your best to live by. How do I know that? Because we all do. We all have a list of rules we believe make someone a good person. It might be like an official list, like the Ten Commandments, or, you know, doing what the Bible says. Or maybe it's just like a general rule of living. Either way, you're a good person. You, you don't break the law. You rarely get arrested. You try to be kind to people. You respect those who give you respect. You're, you're not a murderer. You're not Hitler. You're not abusive. You're not a Republican or you're not a Democrat. So you're a good person. But if we're honest, we all think we're a good person, but we don't all experience a life that actually works. I mean, think about it. If being a good person were enough, then really we'd all be perfectly happy and, and content. The world would be at peace. We wouldn't have this feeling that something is missing. So what's the deal? Like, what are we missing? Well, Jesus had this uncanny, this genius ability to see right to the heart of issues, see right to the heart of human nature. And he taught that the life we were actually made for is really only found in what he called the kingdom of heaven. This is God reigning in the hearts and minds and lives of people now, which when we hear that, we assume means following the right list of rules, like being good enough, making sure our good outweighs are bad. And Jesus knew we would go there because we always do. So in his most famous teaching, he really sets us straight and he shows us that following rules doesn't get us to a life that actually works. And so he says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Huh? Wait, what? Like, John, that completely contradicts what you just said. Jesus, like, ju we just read it. He said, if we want to experience the kingdom of heaven, we have to follow the rules in the Old Testament, the Jewish law, the Jewish Torah, right? The Ten Commandments, eating kosher food, uh, not wearing clothes with mixed fabric, making animal sacrifices. And he even says, like, our righteousness needs to exceed that of the religious leaders of his day. I mean, these guys were righteous. They had all the scripture memorized. They followed the law of God for by, like, word for word. They were so dedicated that they created even more rules in order not to even get close to breaking God's law. Like, you're saying, John, that's the opposite of what you said. And, honestly, it seems impossible. How can anyone be better than that? So first, Jesus is saying the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, are good. In fact, he's saying they're very good. 
they point us to righteousness. They point us to righteousness, a right relationship between God and others. But, he's saying, a right relationship with God and others isn't based on following the letter of God's law, but living out God's love. That's what we're going to see. Jesus is saying, those religious leaders, and you'll see this later on as, he, as the story continues in Matthew and, and the other Gospels, the religious leaders think they are good people because they follow the law, but their hearts have not been changed. They follow the rules on the outside. They're very religious on the outside, but inside, they're dead. Jesus later will call them whitewashed tombs, right? A, a tomb that's really painted pretty and awesome, but inside is decay and death. And Jesus is saying the law and the prophets are good because they were given to point people to the heart of God. And he says, I am here to show you God's heart, to make it possible for you, your heart to be changed and to experience life that actually works. He says, I have come not to abolish the law, but to accomplish their purpose. Others, other translations say to fulfill their purpose. Well, what does that mean? Well, there's three ways to take that. And I think they all apply. First, it, he, he accomplishes the law because the Jewish scriptures pointed to somebody coming to restore humanity to God and to restore our true humanity to ourselves. And Jesus is saying, that person is me. I am here. I'm fulfilling what those scriptures were pointing to. Second, he accomplished them. He fulfilled them by actually living them out. Living out, exemplifying the true meaning of those scriptures, the true heart of God's law, which is love. Right? Jesus was the example of what it means to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. He fulfilled those laws. And third, he is the fulfillment of the law because he is the fulfillment of God's promise through the prophet Jeremiah. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my instruction deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people and they will not need to teach their neighbors nor will they need to teach their relatives saying you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already says the Lord and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Jesus brought that new covenant that new agreement between God and humanity through his death and resurrection. That's what we celebrate when we receive communion together. This new covenant this new promise that God's law is not something we have to like a list of rules we have to follow, but it's something that is in our hearts. And Jesus makes it possible for us to fulfill that law, not by giving us new rules, but by giving us a new heart. Uh, teacher Tim Mackey describes it this way. The Old Testament law is good. It's like when you learn an instrument and you learn the scales of music, right? Those are good and we have to follow those scales. But a new heart, when Jesus gives us a new heart, he makes it possible for us to make our own songs by using the notes of those scales. See, Jesus didn't come to make you a good person. He came to make you a God person. And then, after he says all this, he gives us examples of what that actually looks like. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. See, Jesus is saying, you have heard, like talking about the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder, right? But I say, that's huge. Like Jesus, this Jewish peasant in the Middle East, is saying, I have more authority over Moses. You've heard Moses write that, these Ten Commandments, everybody's heard, but I have more authority. I'm saying this. He says, I say, you've heard this, but I say, meaning this is what the law was actually getting at. Yeah, here's word for word, but here's what it actually means. 
Think about it. Most of us can say, oh, I'm a good person. I mean, it's not like I've murdered anyone, right? And Jesus says, great job. (laughs) Like, that's not difficult. You're like 99% of the human population. But what about your heart? See, the point of that law wasn't just to keep people from murdering each other, but it was to get to the root of the problem. Murder doesn't just like happen all of a sudden. You don't just become a murderer. It comes out of the hatred in our hearts. This desire to destroy someone, to destroy their humanity, because what you want is more important than the human in front of you. And that's really the root of all division. What I want is more important than you. And Jesus says, God people, they choose to love their neighbor because their hearts have been changed, not because some book of rules tells them not to kill someone. So much so, their heart changes so much so that their their daily life changes. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Jesus is saying, look, your relationship with each other, your heart towards each other, is way more important than your pious religious sacrifices. He's saying how we love others is more important than the laws we follow. And then he keeps going and he gives another example. When you are on the way to court and with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. He's saying, look, the law is there to punish and to protect the innocent and punish the guilty. Avoid dealing with all those intricacies and all that problem altogether. Avoid the law altogether by simply loving each other and reconciling with each other. And then to make sure we all get it, here's another example. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Whew. Now look, for most people, it's not difficult to not cheat on your spouse, right? Like you, you just don't do it. But every affair starts somewhere. Where does every affair start? In the heart. It's that root again. What you want is more important than them. Indulging your lustful cravings is more important than honoring their humanity, than honoring their dignity, whether you physically act on it or not. And so then Jesus uses the hyperbole of cutting off things and gouging things out to get the point across that this inner rot of our heart is so ruinous, it would be better to ruin our bodies in order to avoid it altogether. You might be saying, yeah, okay. I get that the heart thing, right? But like, you know, what if, what about the, what if there's like legal loopholes? Like, you know, there's the rule, but there's always a loophole to a rule, right? Listen, if you have to find a loophole, you are not loving. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. See, in this patriarchal society, women had very few rights. They had very few protections. And if they were shamed by their husbands divorcing them, they had two choices. Either they had to go back to their father's house and completely shame their family in this honor-shame society, or they had to live on the street doing whatever they could to survive. 
And men were divorcing their, their old wives for younger wives and, and made themselves feel like the good guy because, you know, hey, I followed the law. It's legal. I gave her a written notice. I'm following God's law, so it doesn't matter how I treat them. I, you see that even today in places. And Jesus says, look, dude, the point isn't whether you did the right paperwork. You're mistreating her. You're using her. You're abandoning her. That is what it means to have the heart of God, to, be, to care about her, not just whether you're following the rules or not. And what's crazy about this passage, even now it's used as a new rule that must be followed to the letter. In fact, women have been told that God wants them to stay in an abusive relationship because the husband never cheated. Therefore, Jesus says that divorce would be a sin. Isn't that crazy that Jesus protecting women in this culture has been turned into a hard and fast rule that has harmed countless of women in hundreds of cultures. So then Jesus continues, and he shows the stupidity of thinking that simply following the letter of the law is actually following God's heart. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, don't even make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. See, people are trying to get out of their oaths and, and their pro business promises and all that kind of stuff because they're like, well, I didn't swear it by Jerusalem. It's just it's like, like kids saying, well, I didn't promise or my fingers were crossed. Jesus says God people live in such a way that when they say something, it can be trusted because they are so dedicated to honoring others that everyone knows they, they have no intention of trying to find a loophole to go back on their word. And this life is so radical that it begins defying common sense and actually starts transforming the world. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier, yes, a Roman soldier that was oppressing their people, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. See, he's saying, even if it is your legal right to retaliate, God people care more for the person who hurts them than for their right to hurt them back. And then he sums all of this up and says, But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Wait, like again? That seems, that's be perfect. That's impossible. Not when Jesus gives you his perfection. See, don't look at this be perfect as never messing up, but more of a be complete, be whole, be spiritually mature. See, because Jesus was actually perfect, he's able to impart to us a complete, whole heart of God. It's when you allow Jesus to live through you and to give you his 
righteousness. You allow the Holy Spirit to transform your heart while you are seeking to understand and live out the heart of God. It's a life that is formed in God's law of love. See, this whole thing that we're talking about, it's like a dance where Jesus gives us his perfection and then we choose to use it. We're both working together. Jesus does his thing, transforms us, but we allow it to happen by actually acting on what we've read and, and seen. Or it's like a hand in a glove, right? The Holy Spirit is the hand and we are the glove, but if the glove's too stiff and won't move, nothing happens. We have to allow it to happen. We have to actually act on the heart that's being changed in us. See, following the law of love is simple, but it's not easy. It is not complicated, but it is demanding. It takes our whole life, a completely change of our heart and our will and our mind. It's having the law of God written on our heart, not just having some laws written on a list. It is choosing to love without trying to find a loophole. It is choosing to love even if no law says you have to, and it's choosing to love even if it seems to go against someone else's rule list. Now, reading all of this, the typical argument is this. Like with the cutting off a hand and stuff, you add that in. And you say, oh, well, this is just an exaggeration, right? This is like some ideal. Ideal. These are nice pearls of wisdom from wise Jesus. It doesn't actually work in the real world. What do you mean by work? What does that mean to you? Having your rights protected? Keeping your power or your position or your strength? Is it? Are you meaning all the other the things all the other kingdoms and the other people of the world hold so dear? If so, in that case, yeah, you probably will lose more than you will win. But if you actually live this way and you allow your heart to be changed and you make those choices, you will gain so much more. It's what Jesus promises. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? See, what is a life of trying trying to be good enough and then expecting others to be good enough actually getting you? What's it? It's getting you fighting for your rights, right? Fighting because they aren't following your list of good. How's that working for you? See, the life Jesus offers, though it sounds crazy, is truly the only way that brings true life. It's the only life that actually works. See, what we just read is not a new list of things we need to try to do. That's just replacing a set of rules with another list of rules. This is, the, uh, this is a description of who we can be. This is a description of who we will be when we choose to accept Jesus as our God and our King, as we choose to allow him to live in us and through us, as we choose to allow the Holy Spirit to shape and change us one choice at a time, as we are given a new set of God instincts to act out of from our heart. So as we look at this and what it means to be God people, and we read this really challenging Sermon on the Mount, I want, you to, I want to ask you, I want you to ask some questions. I want you to just, nothing hard, but ask this. What pushback or pushbacks do I feel to Jesus' teaching here? What is my, yeah, but, or I don't like that, or what is the pushback you feel? And then ask, what's up with that? Why do you feel that way? See, some are probably afraid of the idea of, of loving is, this idea of love is too loose, right? Because if people don't have rules, then they'll just do whatever they want. Why do you feel that way? Like, true love is not based on rules. True love is based on the object of your love, God himself. Others might be afraid of this because, you know, of trying it and losing. They're afraid it won't work, like we just talked about. Listen, what you have to lose is nothing 
compared to what you will gain. Jesus didn't come to make you a good person. He came to make you a God person. And he offers this life, this counterintuitive life, to anyone who wants it. A life where things are actually right between you and God, where things are actually right between you and your family, between you and your coworkers, between you and your neighbors. is a new life where you don't have to worry about what rules to follow and what rules not to follow. It's a new life where the law of God is written on your heart and you develop new instincts based on that law of love. And it all starts with accepting Jesus' invitation to join his kingdom, to trust him and enjoy him as your king. And the moment we do, that transformation begins because Jesus gives us new hearts, not new rules. Thanks so much for watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a church that meets weekly in Salem on Sundays at 525 Idlewood Drive in South Salem. We meet at 430 in the afternoon on Sundays and the service usually goes about an hour followed by some snacks and time to hang out and mingle and meet people. So if you've been watching or listening online for a while and haven't checked us out in person, we invite you, we welcome you, and we promise it's a safe place to be. Uh, we also have weekly connect groups that meet in homes and a youth connect for middle school and high schoolers. Thanks again for watching this content put up at Cross Creek Community Church. We have a welcome form online we'd love for you to fill out so you can say hello. Uh, but otherwise, we'll see you next week.